Welcome to part two of Karen the Load's podcast as we visit with Autumn and Chris Bennett. In the first podcast, Autumn and Chris shared a difficult story of betrayal and mistrust in their marriage. Part two will begin to really develop in what we can learn as we confront the most difficult times of our lives. As you listen to the rest of their story today, realize one very important truth. You're not alone in your struggles. Many have gone before that have set trail markers for you when you're faced with the sometimes overwhelming thoughts and fears of life. There are trusted professionals, family members, clergy, and others that are willing to assist you with your burdens and would willingly do so if you'd simply ask. Please reach out when you feel that your life is spinning out of control. Others can and will be willing to help you. This is not about guilt. That's what the world teaches. Our podcast today is about hope and conquering the destructive elements of negative self-worth. Now sit back and relax, and thanks for joining us today. So, Autumn, let's talk about uh, the uh, the daily maintenance for you. We've talked uh, with Chris and some of his daily maintenance. What does your daily maintenance look like? So, it's changed from the beginning. Um, you know, in the beginning, you're going to meetings and you're getting counseling. And you're, we were checking in daily in those five areas. Um, we don't check in daily anymore. It's more like weekly or but we still chat every day. I think part of the message in dailies is connecting with each other. We were so disconnected before that that checking in helped us connect. Helped us finally figure out how to communicate with each yeah, other. Yeah, communicate and connect. For for me especially to be able to communicate with her because I was always so, so, so shut down. And it's such a skill to gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, with, with Mark and I, we had to learn to reconnect when our kids left home because all of a sudden it was back to just the two of us and it wasn't focusing on what happened with the kids all day long and we had to be real i think that there are different times in our life where we have to reinvent Mm -hmm. that in tunement yeah there you know i i know for us we we struggled uh, after our son passed away there for a while and that was difficult as we were trying to communicate well and then after all the kids are gone and uh, you've got this whole home by yourself here yeah and with, with the two of you, I, I listen to what you have to say about uh, communication, and, and, and that is so key. Uh, there's, there's a uh, quote here that you referenced as well. You said that uh, marriage is the most trusting step in any human relationship. It's a real act of faith. The very nature of the endeavor requires that you hold on to each other as tightly as you can and jump. I feel like we jumped eleven. Like I feel free fall. Yeah, I feel like we jumped eleven years ago. I think we were um, in the beginning of our marriage. We were doing a lot of like shallow. I call it shallow. Um, you're just kind of like floating along the surface. If you picture the o- ocean, you're floating along the surface and you're never really diving deep. And um, eleven years ago, we were diving deep, and we we've we've dove in deep we um you know that the connection thing we like being out in nature we like to sit and chat we like to play cards together we like to i mean our check-ins are different now but we still check in with each other um at one point um i was asked to in the beginning of recovery i was asked to find three things about chris that i loved every day and tell him that 
And when you're mad at somebody, it's really hard to do that. Um, I did it for a whole entire year. Every single day I sent him a message. And I look back on that time and it really taught me to look at Chris and see the things that I love about him often. And um, we say things and, and I'm not afraid to say how I feel to him about how I feel about him anymore. That's been really important. So, you know, just jump in. Don't. And I'm like, we wasted a lot of years just shallow living. And I totally, fully, firmly believe you need to jump in with both feet and get, go into the deep and live that way. But since you've gone to the deep, isn't life so much sweeter? It is. Yeah. Like I, I keep talking about it all the time, like with friends and stuff like that, like, we can drive down to St. George for four hours and never even touch the radio because we're having conversations the whole time. And we, my brother lives an hour away. We go up and see him like two or three times a month all the time. We're driving up there all the time and we will talk the whole way up. Like it, we just have conversations and it's awesome. We play cards and our kids come home and they're like, is this what your life is going to be like? We're like, yes, it is. <laughs> and we go on walks and it's just like, are you guys always going to do this? Yes, we are. When we go on hikes, you know, I, I, I go hiking every day. We talked about that, but, and I'll go super fast. The one I'm with Autumn, I got to go a little slow. So if I lead, I will leave her. So I always have her in front of me so that we can go at her pace and one time we were like a year ago on July 4th, we were going up to hike at um, the living room and she was walking in front and she kept stopping and stopping. And she's like, I'm so sorry. Like every two minutes she's like stopping and she's, she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, look, stop apologizing. Cause it's starting to get annoying. And, and I did it jokingly. Right. But I'm like, because I don't care how long it takes to get up there. All I care about is that I'm with you. And the time that we're able to spend together. I don't care how long it takes us to get up there. I don't have anything going on. I care about just spending time with you. And we just went and hit a peak. Her very first peak that she left, that Autumn's ever hit, um, was Sunset Peak, or Sundial Peak. No, Sunset Peak, excuse me. So we hit this peak. And as we're coming up, there's like 10 people that are standing already on the peak. And we're coming up on the side. And I yell up to them. I wish I would have recorded it because it was so awesome. But I yell up to him before we reach the top. And I'm like, hey, guys. And they all stop talking. And I'm all, this is her first peak ever. And because I wanted to celebrate Autumn. And so we get up. And they're like yelling and cheering and clapping. And all of them are like super excited for her. And she gets up there. And both of us start crying. Because I know how hard that is for her. And she accomplished something so awesome. But I can... I'm at a point that I can celebrate her and I can celebrate being with her and being able to accomplish something so awesome. And we just hugged each other and started, <laughs> started crying. Well, and it was just, it was just awesome because there were all those people were cheering her on and I was there cheering her on and it was neat. It also doesn't mean though that we're exempt from hard things in life. And I think that people go, Oh, you've been through this really hard experience and you guys are so, with it and you're so together and we just see you guys and you and i'm like no no we have regular lives we have kids we have teenagers and young adults and we have life problems and we just figure out how to work through them together together's the key yes and you know you said something earlier about how you know praying 
what what do you want me to do, God? You know, when you were in the hospital, yeah, and he, it was to stay, but he didn't take the journey away. No, he could have just healed both of you. I right. know he could have. Yeah, but you would not be where you're at today if you didn't travel that journey. If you didn't find those trail markers, those Karens along the path to show you you're on the right path, and now here you are building these Karens for others to see, for your children, for me, and for many others that you have no idea who's watching. So as we we look at uh, the things that have gotten you through the last 12 plus years, I I, I see – the posts that you do, you know, the, the roly poly things you do on the uh, floor or things, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, there you're, you're not, a, you're not afraid the to share. <laughs> yeah. You, you do have a lot of fun and, and there's a lot of smiling and there's a lot of laughter in your marriage there. What happens if that uh, laughter isn't there? It sometimes isn't there and there's tears and we hold each other in our tears and in our mourning and I think the difference is, is that we go to God with our mourning and our tears and um, we know how to give. That's the support that each of us needs. We've kind of figured out like what each other needs. Um, and I can't meet Chris's needs. I'm by no means saying that we have to meet each other's needs. But You're still in your lane. Yeah. Right. But you're with God. Yeah. But I can be like, how can I help him today? Like what, what? can I show up for him today? Or like, can I give um, some gratitude to him? So in the hard times, I mean, it's still the same, you know, that triangle, we go to God first and we work with each other to figure those our times out and through those tears. But then we are, I feel really super blessed and happy. It makes it all the more sweet. Yeah. And what's, what's cool too is, you know, I'm not letting the resentment set in, you know, she might do something that makes me angry. Like, like a couple weeks ago, um, I, I felt the test and, and she was like, she, she got mad at me and, and, I did. and not the right you know, way. For, for me, I was like already upset that I had felt the test, but then she kind of came at me with it. And, I, and like, I immediately felt like I'm just like this failure, like all my addiction stuff comes back up and, and that's what the adversary does. Right. It's not triggered. And so that resentment was like, it could come right back. If I let it stay there, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go take a walk. Like she came up and she gave me a hug after, and, and I she's said, like, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. And, and and everything. And so, but I was still angry, and part of me wanted to be like, I want to sit in this anger and not talk to God, but I'm like, no, I know what I got to do because I don't want the resentment to stay in my heart. And so I'm like, I need to go take for take a walk. And so I I have a, an app on my phone. It's called the One Minute Pause. Uh, by John Aldridge, uh, part of the Warrior Heart stuff, right? Um, Wild Heart. Um, so he has this app. And so this app has a one minute, three minute, five minute, and a 10 minute pause. And so, um, and depending on what you're, what you have time for, and it's just, it's, it's amazing. And I, I do a pause when I'm up on the peaks every time I'm, I hit a peak and, um, different things and, and, or if I'm angry or angry or something like that, it's then I'll go to this pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so part of that, I was like, I don't want to pray right now. I'm like, you know what? But I need to connect with God. I need to have God in my life. And so I did the 10 minute pause. Pause. I went out for the walk and I did this 10 minute pause. And it just like the other resentment just goes away. 
And then I'm like, you know, the anger goes away and I'm like, I still love her. So it was that reset button. It was that tool that you now have in your belt, your tool belt that helps you get over. So you don't go to the old anymore. No, I'm doing this with God and I'm going to God. When I have those things come up, I'm going to God because I need to have that. We tend to fail when we try to do it alone. Totally. So, so Autumn, you uh, mentioned in, in one of your blogs, speaking of Chris, you said, I love him more than any other person on this earth. 99.99% of the time, <laughs> and, I, and I love that there, 99.99% of the time, we are the best of the best together. It's pretty rare that we have an argument, but we're human, you know, as we were just talking. Yeah. We really try hard not to only love each other, but to like each other. We've really worked so hard on this. What's the difference between liking someone versus loving someone? <laughs> well, you can love somebody. I, um, I don't. I don't know if the word conditioned is what I'm looking for, but I think when we're young, we're conditioned. Oh, that's grandma. We love grandma. That's our dog. We love our dog. Mm-hmm. That's my your respect. Out of respect, we love something, um, and we might not necessarily like our dog. Like you're little and your parents have a dog and you're not a dog person. So you love the dog because it's your family dog, but you don't necessarily like want to pet him and you don't want to be around him. And and so liking is a little bit different. Um, I think we work at liking. Um, love comes, I, I feel like love is a God gift to all of us. I think he enables our hearts to feel love and like we work at. So we had to work out liking each other again because I really didn't like Chris and he didn't like me. Um, And you know, in the beginning, it was really hard for me to hear, well, I fell out of love with my wife and I don't like her. It has to hurt. It did hurt. It hurt really bad. You know, the first time we spoke to a recovery group and he said that my heart kind of went, oh, oh no. Um, And I was taken aback and we talked about it in the car and he's like, I'm being honest. And I, I said, I know you are. Um, so working at liking each other is like dating, finding out things that we're passionate about and sharing that. Like he loves to hike a lot. I can't do the hikes he does, but I do want to share in that with him. So I go with him. I do like it now as well, but like he likes to golf. I hate, I can't golf. So I give him the space to go golf, um, for maybe self care. And that's not selfish care. You need to be very clear that self-care doesn't look like selfish care. It's not all about me, me, me all the time, but just those kinds of things, like giving him space for hobbies, giving him space to be himself and not critique him. He's done that for me too. Like I used to feel like I had to fit this certain mold and my house had to look a certain way and my kids had to be this exact way to fit a mold for him to like me. And I don't feel that way anymore. He's given me the safety to be myself and the freedom. Yeah. That's great. So you, uh, we talk about owning our story and as we, as we own our story there, that can sometimes be difficult because as you're being autonomous, you're trying to be honest to Chris, Chris, how hard was it at the beginning to hear some of the honest things that she had to say? You know, the, uh, the, uh, the natural man in all of us, probably doesn't want to hear those things. And uh, we, we don't want uh, someone to call our baby ugly. 
And sometimes we have to call ourselves out (laughs) there. But uh, how hard was that? And what were you able to do in order to more internalize that honest thought process that uh, Autumn would share with you? It it was really hard in the beginning. Because Um, he did a lot of gaslighting. I'm going to jump in really quick for that one part. He did a lot of gaslighting. There was never emotional or physical abuse. He just... And people are like, well, gaslighting is kind of emotional abuse. He would tell people things about me and like to say things that weren't true to make me look a certain way and in a different light. And I can remember a certain therapy session where I gave him letters, letter of anger, letter of resentments, letter of sadness, letter of like it was an assignment. And I gave him to him and he didn't respond like he was supposed to respond with other letters and. He didn't respond for like four months. And then when he responded, it was like one paragraph for each thing. I was so mad at him. A natural man, like so angry because I thought he's not honoring my healing process. So with that, I'll lead you back into what we were. Yeah. So so it was just hard because I'm like, I've never actually like sat in my feelings. And so I was like. I've got to do something different. And a lot of the stuff that she was saying about me was true. Like I was a jerk. And even now she'll be like, Oh, you used to say this, or you would have said this. And, and I'm not like, out of like serious? anger. Like I would just, we would, we'll be driving or something. Mom, do you remember when you said that? that I'm like, I did. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I was such a jerk, <laughs> you know? And so realizing uh, I was a jerk, it wasn't, it wasn't her that changed. It was me that had changed. But you addressed the uh, ownership of the story. Right. And so there. I'm finally like, wow, I'm starting to, to recognize these things. And it's okay for me to sit in these feelings and still know, hey, God still loves me. Even though I screw up, even though I've been a jerk and I treated her wrong. And yet he still loves me. And sitting in that, knowing and understanding that part helps make those things a little bit easier to, to digest and then, and then I'm not beating myself up over it though. I'm not like mm-hmm. letting it just totally take me out and take me down and, and then go and letting the adversary win. I'm like, because I know where it's coming from. And so part of that, when we were checking in, being able to start recognizing feelings and paying attention to feelings of what's going on with me. Why am I having these temptations come at me? What's going on? Oh, I'm trying to connect. I'm missing a connection somewhere. Am I, I'm missing a connection from my wife. I'm missing this connection from God. What am I missing? And so paying attention to those feelings every day allowed me to be able to like, be like, okay, I can, I'm okay with these feelings. I can sit in and I can be okay. Addicts get those feelings and they don't know how to process those feelings when they're in the addictive cycle. Their brain does the fight, flight, or freeze, Mm -hmm. and then they want to act out. They isolate. First of all, they feel that feeling. They're like, I can't feel this. I can't feel this at all. Whether it's like, or um, shame. Addicts will feel a lot of shame. So they won't sit in that and be like, why am I feeling shame? What other feelings are coming up? Anger, sadness, resentment, loneliness. A lot of it's just bored. Um, And people people are like, oh, I got to fill that time if I'm bored. So then they'll go to pornography mm. or gaming or, or, or women or whatever, because whatever the addiction just, is yeah. just, sitting with those feelings for a few, even if it's just for a few minutes, 
I'm really angry and sad right now. What is the secondary emotion to anger and sadness? What? Why am I doing this? And then instead of going into isolation and acting out, you reach out and you get help. And so that's a big, important process in that addictive cycle. I think a lot of addicts go, oh, I had a slip. I'm Now they feel that shame and they continue the process and they relapse. Um, a lot of that addicts in recovery will have a mess up. And if they're in true recovery, they'll be like, I had a slip. I'm, it's okay. And this is why. And then they go back. And the more and more I watched him sit with his feelings and be like, well, this is what I'm feeling. Or this, he reached out more, which is really neat to see as an observer or a spouse or loved one of an addict when you see recovery taking place. Because they're sitting with their emotions that they never wanted to sit with ever. They've just numbed them out. And now they're sitting with them. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes it's easy. They're like, oh, I figured it out. They go back on. You know, we live in a different generation than our parents did. Uh, Our parents' generation was we would kind of sweep some of those things under the rug. Those those feelings and emotions, we were looked at as weak if we uh, we shared those. Especially you can't cry. Yeah, yeah. There's no crying in baseball (laughs) (laughs) or whatever, you know. And what it does to our bodies, it's torture. And, and it's, you know, that pain and all these things. Recently, I was listening to a book on, on tape, which I then had to get the hard copy because it just, there were so many aha moments in it, but it was, it's called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And right in the beginning, she's talking about her addiction and like her second AA meeting. And she said something about feelings and, and, I can't let myself feel because I don't just feel joy. And this lady said something to her to the effect of, Oh, sweetie, all feelings are meant to be felt. And for me, it was like, you're right. All feelings are meant to be felt. You know, my pain, my trauma is very different than yours, but I still didn't like to feel it. And so, but I had to learn to sit with it to understand what was the underlying issue behind the emotions. Great point. Great point. Well, I, I have to ask you this, uh, Autumn, because you mentioned this in, in your uh, writing here that you had earthly angels that were around you. We talked about uh, the close people, you know, your family and even each other there. Uh, I'm sure that there were times that you didn't consider Chris an earthly angel. But uh, but he, he was there. But there were others as well. And one of the things that we try to do with Care in the Load is to identify ways that we can help each other to heal and to recover and to, to find peace in life there. Tell us about the earthly angels that uh, were around you outside of your, your, your normal, your, your family members, maybe. Um very interesting in recovery they ask you to find a support person that isn't your spouse and that happened really quickly for me and you um i was given the advice that you will know who those people are who you can share your story with who your story is sacred with and that happened pretty quick um 
I don't want to give too much information about the person, but she, um, she showed up for me and I never felt judgment. I never felt, and I have friends, I have some really good friends that love me and Chris that I knew I could go to them mm-hmm. and tell them things and they still love Chris. Like you can't do that with your family members. They're like, no, just get out. And, you know, you know mm-hmm. right? cause they love you. Your parents just love you so fiercely. But um, I had some really amazing friends that stepped in and the Lord actually placed, like, I knew we were in the, we moved to this home and two weeks later, all this stuff happened. And I'm like, why did we move here? Oh, let's just move back to our old house. And within weeks, just things happened with people being placed in my life from that area and they didn't know my story for a little bit. And then um, this specific person was saying cues to me that I knew that she was going through something very similar and using words and lingo, ling- lingo and language that I was like, she's like in the same program or something. And so finally, after a few months, I said, hey, I need to talk to you about this. And she's, And she said, yes, I am. I've been waiting for you to ask me. I was too scared to tell you. And then we connected even more. So those earthly angels. um, Sorry. I'm going to talk about a heavenly angel. Um, About four years into our recovery process, my mom said, I have this feeling today that I needed to give you these papers. It's like, okay. She's all, this is about your fourth grade grandma. Um, she was the last living pioneer to know Joseph Smith. And I went, what? I went, what? You know, and she's all, I want you to read these papers. I just, I feel like you need to read about her life. Because they're, the Utah Daughters of the Pioneers have um, written articles about her. And I took these papers and I read them. And I immediately immediately knew that she was one of my guardian angels like immediately and I knew where the women in my family gathered strength from um I had a, a second experience like she's got goosebumps I can feel the goosebumps right now I'm talking about it um I had a second experience um I was on trek shortly after my mom gave me those papers and explain trek for those who oh, know. pioneer the youth like reenact pioneer trek with <laughs> wagons and you walk and you experience what the pioneers experience and they do this thing called the woman's pull and the women pull the wagons um for a short time the young women and sometimes the leaders and my grandma that is in that same family um had passed away a couple years before and she loved butterflies and I was sitting in that field before we started the woman's poll. And I looked up and there the whole entire field was full of monarch butterflies. Wow. And I just had this words like come into my mind. You are a warrior. You are a pioneer. You are... A modern day pioneer, you're going through things that we didn't experience, but we've experienced things. And so my two grandmas, it just felt very 
angelic presence. <laughs> the seen and the unseen angels. I believe we're surrounded. And I believe we're surrounded right now yeah. in this room that mm-hmm. we're in, and it's pretty full. And if you look, I've got the butterflies too. You know, and, and there is a s- symbolism for me with those butterflies, but thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Pretty incredible I know. story. I'm sorry, I, s- I gave Heavenly Angels too. I- <laughs> no, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's just right. Well, Chris, what about you? So, Autumn mentioned a guy that was in. Um, when my disciplinary court, when I was excommunicated and that story was, you know, they, they did that state didn't know me. They, they didn't know me very well at all. And there was this guy that was asking a lot of questions and we were walking away after I was excommunicated. And I was like bawling to autumn because this guy's walking like a hundred feet in front of us. And I'm like, autumn, I don't know what it is, but there's something about this guy. There's something special about him, and I don't know what. And then two weeks later, we walk into his addiction recovery program that he is the the owner and founder and director of, and he is still to this day is a huge part of my life. He is he's no longer just my therapist. He is one of my best friends, one of my closest friends, and we go to Alaska together we do all sorts of trips together because because we just he has changed my life um he's i had him speak at my baptism um because he has just played such a huge role in helping me change my life and he's the one of that that started the warrior heart boot camp here in utah and um, I'm like, I want to be part of that message. And so I became part of that message and started with the marketing team. And then I became the prayer team lead and then uh, part of the speaking team. And I'm also now part of the executive team with them. And he is still part of that. And, and we're so close. And he has been one of the biggest angels in my life to help me transform and become who I am today. Before we began our podcast, uh, I, I told you that we were going to be talking about people that have meant something to you in your life. And uh, as I listen to both of you, I, I hear certain attributes. Unconditional love. Uh, they, they cared for you. They, they recognized you as who you not only wanted to be, but who you were at the time. And maybe that, uh, that in and of itself is maybe one of the greatest things that uh, an earthly angel can do is recognize us for what we can become. Mm-hmm. One of the things I keep thinking as I'm looking around my room here, my, my office, and the butterflies and the beauty of the butterflies, it's that, you know, we look at that beauty, but we don't often admit to the changes or the struggles it went through to become that beautiful creature, if you will. And I'm looking at you two, and I didn't know you very well, you know, back 11 years ago. But I always saw something in your eyes. And I always saw this potential and this love 
But now when I'm looking in, and I look in your eyes and I see this depth, I love watching you look at each other as you connect, as you share your story, as you communicate. And, and that's what life's about. It's, it's that connection and it's connection with each other. And we're not meant to be here alone. Thank you for showing me how to connect, showing me what love looks like in a very different way than um, in a very beautiful way. But thank you. Before I give you the last word, I, I want to read one quote uh, here, and uh, then I'd like you to just share any thought that you have as we wrap up our, our visit uh, this evening here that uh, you feel might be appropriate uh, for our listeners here. But Dave Willis shared a quote. He said, marriage is a sacred bond between two imperfect people, which is possible by a perfect God and held together with limitless love, unshakable faith, and undying devotion for one another. I see that in both of you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So last thoughts. Let's start with you, Chris. So many people ask, like, how have you been able to get to this point? How have you been able to, you know, overcome this? I've tried for years and years and years, and I've never been able to do it, and I'm never going to have success. Um, And for me, it all comes down to a choice. Every single one of us will be faced with temptations, whatever that may be. Um, for, for whatever reason, we'll have temptations, right? Um, but it's what we do with those temptations and how we react to those. I, I related to, you know, growing up as a, as a little kid, your parents teach you, you know, if, if you get confronted, you know, as a teenager, they're like, if you get confronted at, at a party and they're like, hey, here's some alcohol, here's some drugs, what are you going to say? I mean, it's, it's ingrained in us to say no. So for me, it's the same thing with the, with my addiction. What am I going to do when I'm confronted with this temptation? I have a choice to make and I can either act out or I can reach out. And I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to do when those temptations come. And so just because I've got 12 years of sobriety doesn't mean that I have no temptations anymore. They're all gone and everything's perfect again. No, those temptations still come back. But I know exactly what I've got to do. And when I, when I do that, I reach out, whether it's reaching out to my wife, whether it's reaching out to all the guys from my warrior heart group, whether it's guys from, from other, from our addiction recovery groups, whatever it may be, what sometimes it's just reaching out to God, um, and connecting to, connecting to him or reaching out through, um, listening to something. But I'm making a choice to do something different so that I can get rid of that temptation. Instead of just being like, well, temptation's here. And that's making a choice too. I'm going to act out. I'm going to go and lock the door. I'm going to go whatever the ritual might be. I'm going to send this text to this woman. I'm going to, I have all those choices to make. What am I going to do? I'm going to choose to reach out instead. Well so said. That, that's been really what has been a huge part in getting me to where I'm at now. Today, I choose sobriety. And we're grateful for that. Autumn. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess I'm going to say it because it keeps coming to my mind. Um, I have in the front of my scriptures the very first page that 
it's just a little white page. I have let go and let God um, on my scriptures. Um, it's in my heart every day. And my life motto is love life and be brave. And um, just for me, recovery is about loving life and being brave. Like I, I have been to the depths of hell and shackled and broken and beaten down so badly that I never thought I would get up from that ever. And um, that feeling of hopelessness is something I never, ever want to experience again in my life. So I have to do things that require me to work towards happiness. I mean, we're all not going to have happiness every day. And it's what we choose. Like he says, the choice every day, you have a choice that we can find happy. We can find joy. Um, we can be brave. And um, just for women who might be listening to this that are in the beginning stages of finding out about a loved one's addiction or a spouse, just know that there is hope. And it might look different than what my story is, but um, there's hope. There's people out there that are experienced with recovery that can help us. Um, I felt very alone in the beginning, and it was so hard to feel so alone. And so I just want those that might hear this know that they're not alone. Um, God will place people in your life to help you heal. And he knows each of us very specifically and what we need. And he knows our hearts. And he is there to heal our wounded and broken selves and to make us the most beautiful. I can't say the word. I mess it up every time. The Kinsuchi. Kinsuchi. Uh, he fills that brokenness with gold. I, I just always picture my heart having like before having these black void pieces. And now it's like gold and shiny and bright and beautiful. I, yeah. And I just, I just want people to know that you can have a beautiful life through brokenness. Yeah. Autumn, Chris, thank you for letting us be your friends. We, we, we love, your friends. we, we love the two of you and yes, uh, we, we appreciate, do. uh, uh, we, we appreciate the wisdom that both of you have shared with us uh, today. So anything, any last words? So one thing that I didn't talk about is love notes. Um, love notes from God. So many times we're like, I'm so alone. I'm in this by myself. And God is not there. But if we start looking for the love notes that God gives us, We'll see him every single day. Like to me, a love note for me is a love note for me from God is, you know, seeing the beautiful sunsets that I get to see all the time. Uh, being able to, uh, when I'm up hiking, I know one time I was up hiking and just bawling my eyes out, talking to him out loud, praying out loud up in the mountains, talking to God, praying. And then I started running down the trail again and, and literally like 200 yards away from where I was praying. God gives me some deer that are just sitting right there. He knows that that's how he speaks to my heart. I'm like, 
like super excited that I see this doe and, and her two fawns and I'm like super excited. I'm like, this is beautiful. But then a big buck walks by like 10 yards from me, huge buck. And I'm like freaking out because I'm like, this is awesome. And then I realize that's God sending me a love note saying, Hey, I hear you. I love you. I see you. Cause he heard my prayer and it was like, wow. This is awesome. And so I get to see that. And, you know, sometimes I, I see the sunsets or the sunrises and I, I'll even look up and be like, I love you too. Because there's, there's such special love notes that he sends to me. And we just need to pay attention and, and look for those things, those love notes or, or the tender mercies that, that he gives us. I love that you shared that with us. And really to end on that, because he does send those love notes all the time. But I think we just don't stop and look or stop and listen. But as we train ourselves and become accustomed to looking for those love notes, we will see them everywhere. Too often we're just looking at the trail that we don't see what's around the trail. Yeah. What a great way to end our conversation. So once again, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with Autumn and Chris Bennett as we've discussed their story and some of the difficulties as well as some of the wonderful, beautiful things that they've experienced through their marriage. Each of us have a story to share. Author Brene Brown reminds us that owning our story is the bravest thing that you will ever do. The stories and experiences our guests share inspire us as well as they help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become part of Care in the Load community through social media as well as to share the site with those you know and love. We are stronger together. Keep caring. Thank you.